The gospel net is the largest net in the world. God has invited all to come unto him. Black and white, bond and free, male and female. There's room for everyone. And yet, on the cross, Jesus did exactly that. He practiced what he had preached. He taught us to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, and even to pray for those who despitefully use us. I know from firsthand experience that forgiveness blesses both the forgiver and the forgiven. Now, how does overcoming the world bless our lives? The answer is clear. Entering into a covenant relationship with God binds us to Him in a way that makes everything about life easier. My dear brothers and sisters, I bear witness that Jesus Christ directs the affairs of His church. I testify that following Him is the only way to enduring happiness. Aloha and welcome to LDS Real People Real Lives podcast. This is Stephanie Colvin and I am your host. It's a beautiful day in Southern California and with the sun shining, I feel the Lord's love and I'm so grateful for the creation of this beautiful earth that he has given us. In John chapter 16, verse 33, it reads, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace, and the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Thanks for listening and for your continued support. And if you're new, welcome. I need to make a correction. I uh, General conference is actually September 30th and October 1st. I thought it was going to be a week later and it was not. I should have checked that. My apologies. September 11th, 2001, I was up and getting ready for work. My kids were, gosh, nine and seven years old. So they had elementary school that morning. And um, I remember sitting on the recliner doing my makeup and watching the news. And all of a sudden, the um, emergency breaking news beep, beep, beep came on, interrupted the podcast. And that's when I was watching the aftermath of the first plane that had flown into the towers. And while we were watching that and trying to figure out what was going on, the second plane came. Um, I couldn't believe it. I was in utter shock. I didn't want the kids to go to school that day. I wanted to keep them home and protect them from the world. Um, we still didn't know or understand what was happening. And then, uh, the other plane at the Pentagon and then the other one, I think that was in Pennsylvania that went down in the, um, Grove. It's just... It was a lot, the footage that was coming out from there and then the footage afterwards to see the devastation, the people, what they were doing to escape the heat and the flames from the jet fuel and uh, 
the combination of the plane hitting the building, um, seeing people unfortunately trying to do desperate, desperate things to get away from the heat and the fire. And it was something that I will never forget. It's my generation's event. And I'm Gen X. So here we are today, September 11th, 2023. 22 years later. And I just want to say this. Uh -uh. Those families that were affected by it, we had no idea as a country how far-reaching the effects would be from that tragedy. Um, even ongoing to this day, we had no clue what we were dealing with. But what I did see was the miracles that come from a loving Heavenly Father who loves us perfectly, who suckers us perfectly, who blesses us with the most tender loving care you will ever experience in your life. Does that mean that every outcome and conclusion for every scenario, every person's life that was affected by that tragedy worked out perfectly and that they were just happy and hunky-dory and everything has just been ecstatic? No. That means that the Lord has blessed us perfectly and watched over us in the ways that he can and that we allow him. He can only rot the miracles in our lives that we allow him to rot, the blessings that we allow him to give us. And sometimes he can bypass that and that's up to his leisure and wisdom. And I trust him. I am grateful that I live in a country that celebrates the good in American citizens and that we can look back on this day to all of those who worked miracles from the first responders, the EMTs, police officers, uh, fire department to people that were helping to rescue and save that worked there or people that ran in the buildings off the street to try to help in some way. There's so many unsung, unseen heroes from that day. And I just want to thank you. Um, God bless you and God bless this country that we can always see the greatness that is America and who we are. The American spirit is one of community is one of love, is one of decency, and is one of God. This is the America I know, and this is the America that I love, and this is the America that I have lived in my whole entire life. And I have so much hope for this land that is truly the promised land. So if you hear me, my words at this time, and you are suffering, you are emotional because of this day, you are going through things, please know that we see you and our prayers include you, even though we may not know your name. So there's some good news coming out of the church new newsroom. Please go and check that out at newsroom.churchofjesuschrist.org. We had Latter-day Saint volunteers aid in the Florida, Florida hurricane cleanup. Um, there is always 
saints in every part of the world to help. Um, <clears throat> Florida was hit with a hurricane there and they needed some help. So I'm grateful to those members of the church who go out and help their local communities. President Nelson did turn 99 years old on Saturday, which was September 9th. So grateful for his birth and for all that he's done to live his life here on earth to serve the Lord and to serve us and to guide us and direct us. <clears throat> he also donated his medical journey journals to the University of Utah recently. He had details that he had kept of 7,000 surgeries that he had done over three decades that spanned 35 volumes in all. And he donated those to the U of U School of Medicine. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He is just a remarkable, remarkable person. Um, President Nelson said at the meeting, and he was there um, with Elder Rinland, who actually led the meeting when they were talking about donating these records from the church administration building, that it was definitely a historical point in the prophet's life. And um, he has done so much for the good of God's children here on earth. And we are so grateful for you, President Nelson, for your love, for your devotion, and for all that you've done to tend to each of us while you've been here. I truly feel the love of the Savior through President Nelson, and I love you very much. There was an interfaith um, devotional on September 3rd, and this event was hosted by Pope Francis. Now, locally here, my ward actually did something similar like this, where um, they opened up the Relief Society room, and um, they had a sister and a brother who were married lead the conversation. The Relief Society room was packed, and um, there were people from other faiths who came to, because they were curious, or if you had questions, or you just wanted to get to know the LDS members and faith more, it was a great opportunity to do so. And I love being a part of an organization that does this, who is constantly looking to reach across the aisles. And this is truly what the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints does, um, because we are the Lord's church. The Lord loves everyone and whether or not we agree we can come together on our sense of community and our sense of morals and values and desires to have our community live a certain way so that our children and our families can thrive and everybody in between um, so pope francis had invited representatives of other faiths to a gathering in the hun theater in mongolia and this was sunday september 3rd Members of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints were among the attendees, which also included other Christians and representatives of the Mongolian Buddhist, Jewish, Muslim, and Shinto traditions. Um, Pope Francis says, The reconciled and prosperous humanity that we as followers of different religions seek to promote is symbolized by this harmony, togetherness, and openness to the transcendent. And this, in turn, inspires a commitment of justice and peace grounded in our relations to the divine. In this sense, dear brothers and sisters, we share a great responsibility, especially in this period of history, for we are called to testify to the teachings we profess by the way we act. 
We must not contradict them and thus become a cause of scandal. And in this regard, I would like to reassure you that the Catholic Church desires to follow this path, firmly convinced of the importance of ecumenical, interreligious, and cultural dialogue. Um, Latter-day Saint Tuvshin Gambo was one of a dozen others invited to speak at the Interfaith Gathering. And he says, we are brothers and sisters, all children of the same eternal father. At the center of our belief system is Jesus Christ himself. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and his teachings are the guiding light that illuminates our path. Please go to newsroom.churchofjesuschrist.org to check out more. Um, I am so grateful for the faith of other members and for all that they do to shine Christ's light here on earth. Uh, BYU Pathways, BYU-Idaho and Ensign College, they're offering three-year degrees, which is exciting. So they have a new online bachelor's degree, which will be offered in these fields of business technology, communication, health, family services, and professional studies. So super cool. There's a lot going on there. You know, we're always encouraged to further our education, and the church is definitely making that easier and easier for everyone um there have been more than 900 dis distinguished guests that have walked through the bangkok thailand temple uh there out of their own questions and curiosities that they have and also i'm sure that they are drawn there because of christ's light um we're so grateful for the spirit that tends to our temples and the temple ground and that people who are discerning can feel that so i ask thee at this time savior to please bless those who are not discerning for whatever reason that thou might be able to tend to them so that they can find the refuge that they seek in this world as well in the name of jesus christ amen i've got some good news I've been able to go to church and refocus on that, which is good. Um, and I think that that is indicative of a gospel journey. It's the highs and lows, being able to adjust our discipleship and worship of the Lord in the ways that we can that fits our set of circumstances. So that since things have changed and not necessarily gotten easier, I think the Lord has strengthen me. Um, one of my biggest prayers to him and basically all year is to give me the strength to be able to handle everything that comes my way to remember that he doesn't give me any more than I can handle and that he blesses things so that they are for my good and to trust him. There's so much that I don't understand. And, uh, when I trust him, that anxiety the of the unknowns and how everything's going to work out just simply goes away. Um, I trust him because I see his hand and he's helped me to be discerning for that in my life because I've prayed for it. I need it and it helps me to trust him and stay steady in that trust and faith as best as I can. Um, as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast ongoing, we continue to struggle financially as my husband's father is 
um, hanging on to this earthly life for whatever reason. You look at him and there's nothing that would explain why he's still living and going through so much. Um, it's heartbreaking in so many ways. Uh, the struggle of it, the breakdown in his body, the dementia that's coming along with it, um, the episodes that he's having of hallucinations, and um, how much it takes the body to break down for it to truly pass. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt through the revelation and inspiration, the enlightenment that the Spirit can give each of us, which is that gift of the Holy Ghost, um, that there's a purpose for it, even though I don't understand it. And so I just have to trust the Lord. And I put my father-in-law firmly into his hands Relationships are not easy. <clears throat> you know, I've talked about my family and the dynamics of my family, and we are all over the place. And I mean all over the place as far as religion, uh, beliefs, politics, um, just the way that we live on a daily life. We have similarities and we have a lot of differences. Um it's really difficult to live the gospel in a family that is so different. But then at the same time, it's a great opportunity to learn how to become more Christ-like, okay? But that doesn't mean that it's easy. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about in this episode is relationships that are hard. And I feel like my life has been filled with relationships that are hard. And I ask myself and I ask Father, why? Why does everything have to be so challenging? Why are things so hard? Why is it so difficult to get along? Why is forgiveness such a challenge? Why is anger and the desire to hurt somebody in return for the pain that they've been given such a driving force of the fallen natural man? Uh, it can be truly miserable. And I'm going to focus a little bit more on the relationships, the topic of relationships that um, we want, but those people don't want to have with us. And, um, I hope that the spirit can be with you and guide your heart and your mind and your spirit and the nourishment, the guidance, uh, the comfort that you're seeking at this time. Um, because this life just is not easy. Things are hard, but that blessing of it being hard is that we become like Heavenly Father and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, sometimes because we don't understand fully what all of that entails, it can be a tough motivator um, because there's a lot that we still don't know. So hold fast to what you do know and remember to take the time to stand in awe of your God and His Son, Jesus Christ who has given us everything so that we can return home. So I've had this experience of having tough relationships in my life several times. Uh, people that I want to have relationships with, but don't necessarily want to have a relationship with me. Now, being that I am the way that I am by nature is a very kind of soft person when it comes to the people that I care about. I typically will go overboard in trying to help somebody 
that I care about, and I've been doing this my whole life. It's something that I had to learn um, in my teen years to find boundaries with. And back then we didn't talk like this. We didn't talk about boundaries. We didn't talk about having lines with people so that we weren't always sacrificing ourselves. There's reasons I am this way. Uh, from being raised in a house that was <clears throat> definitely faithful and LDS. However, it was also very real and very human and people were exercising their agency. I have never held the gospel accountable for what my parents or siblings have done or for what I have done. I see the difference in the two. And I truly believe that we have a lot of beliefs and things that support our lifestyle and the way that we live in this world. But it's not those beliefs that make us who we are. It's our choices. They influence those choices. So just because I'm LDS doesn't mean that the church talks and preaches about verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. And that is my point. Um, <clears throat> so being that I grew up in a home that was abusive and it wasn't like that 24 seven, there was a lot of good in my family too. Just like any family, we're very real. We have the good, we have the bad, we have the positive and the negative. And the gospels helped us to hold fast together the best that we can. And that is a fluid situation with all of those relationships. Um, but because of the abuse, and I'm just going to quickly go into this, I am a people pleaser. And it is something that has been a blessing to my life as far as giving service and being very thoughtful of other people. But it's something that's also been a very negative impact in my life because it's been overdone and not put in its place with balance that can only come from the spirit that helps us to prioritize. And um, so I would say probably one of my first experiences was with uh, a very close relationship that I had growing up. And I had to, <clears throat> it's so interesting because coming from surviving abuse in any form, <clears throat> we often will try to mend that relationship in some way. And more often than not, it seems that the person that has been the abuser tends to reoffend in what I like to call the second wound, the second offense, where they kind of act like, like re-victimize you. Um, even though you're not talking about the abuse necessarily, but the hardness, the difficulty of the relationship and getting along is because of you, is because of you. Um, and that's what I was getting. And I knew it wasn't just because of me. Um, thankfully, the Spirit has helped me to see these things and recognize it to my salvation so I didn't lose myself and lose my cotton pick in mind. Um, which oftentimes I can feel this way when things are out of balance and going one way too much on that teeter-totter that we're constantly dealing with in life. And um, even though I had tried for many years, honestly decades, 
uh, I've forgiven this person, but um, I don't try any longer to try to have a relationship with this person. And I had to just accept that. You know, if somebody would have explained to me a long time ago how much time I would spend on learning how to accept circumstances and situations that are in my life that are out of control, out of my control. And so I'm doing all I can do. And even then, I still need to rely on the Spirit because I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. My feelings and emotions can get the best of me too. And so oftentimes, I have to seek and give forgiveness and be willing to make those tweaks that the Spirit is... Excuse me, my allergies are just out of control. That the Spirit is encouraging me to make. Can I set my pride aside? Can you set your pride aside to make those tweaks, even though you felt like you understood the direction the Spirit was taking you in? But then, after you followed the path that the Spirit was guiding you on, you realize that maybe you misunderstood the direction that you were going. Therefore, you're going to have to change the way that you think about a situation perceive it, um, believe it, accept it. And that can be very, very hard, uh, especially if you liked the way that you thought the outcome was going to be, if it was acceptable to you and you find out that it's no longer that way, that the answer that is coming from God through the Holy Ghost uh, is telling us something that is different. Can we submit ourselves to that spirit? And this is kind of what I'm dealing with right now. So the second time that I've had this experience is with the nephew. Um, I have tried so hard to just be a good auntie to him. I'm not that much older than him. We've had what I felt was a good relationship for a very long time. And when he went on his mission, um, I still have the few letters that he wrote me. And he went to a different country. And um, sometimes I reread those letters because it talks about at the end, and this was at a time when I was not active in the church, that how much he loved the gospel and that he knew it was the true church of Jesus Christ, that the doctrine and the teachings were going to be a blessing not only here um, temporally, but also eternally, and that he couldn't wait to get home to work with me to come back into the fold. And now he doesn't want to have anything to do with the church. He has completely done a 180. And um, he won't have anything to do with me because I wasn't able to go to his wedding. And um, at the time, we were, again, financially strapped with my father-in-law's care and just trying to meet the care of all of the needs of the family, our own needs, having things done. And this year, there was a lot of dental surgery that was going on for my husband and dental surgery and, and work. Um, can be very, very expensive. And um, ever since I wasn't able to go to that wedding, he just won't talk to me. And that was devastating for me. That took me a couple of years to really work through my emotions and my feelings about it, to finally accept that he doesn't want to have anything to do with me. That's the hard pill to swallow. Very hard pill to swallow. Um... Now, fast forward to 2023, I'm dealing with an even closer relationship of just utter difficulty. I most of the time can't even believe I am where I am. And um, 
I, it's hard. It's really hard when you have to draw those lines and apply boundaries, especially when people aren't used to you doing this. I mean, this is something that I've learned to do in the last five years and my family in particular are not used to me having boundaries and they interpret those boundaries sometimes as being uh, non-supportive, as being um, mean or uh, heartless. And I've tried to explain to them that I'm only one person. I'm not the savior himself. I can't do all these things. I can't be there always when you need me, but it just doesn't seem to be enough sometimes. And you know what? That's okay. It's okay to have these differences in your relationship as long as you can come back together. And I fear that in this one relationship, this latest uh, circumstance, that that may not happen. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily this person as to why that may not happen. It may just be me because I'm not willing to budge on my boundaries. I protect now my peace um, with a vengeance. I mean, I, I hate to use that word. I'm trying to find a better word, but I am very proactive about protecting my peace trying to make sure that I balance that with the guidance of the spirit because I don't want to go overboard and I need to have the spirit help me prioritize and find that balance. Um, The mourning that has happened within me in the last five days of losing this relationship and all of the things that came with that relationship was a low point for me. Um, But what I've noticed is that the difference between now and Stephanie of two years ago is that I have the ability to work these situations through now and still function in life. Whereas this probably would have taken me down before and um, I would have gone into a depressive funk. Uh, But that's the beauty about therapy and boundaries and following the spirit, really living a life that the spirit guides you in these really tough and hard situations. Um, and this is how I understand the restoration of the gospel is through my own experience is receiving revelation and inspiration in one way, executing it, right? Doing it. And then realizing that after I had done it, that there was something that I needed to tweak or maybe a mistake that I made or a mis- un- something I misunderstood. So then I have to go back and I have to make that correction. And sometimes that'll happen ongoing for a year, two years, as the Spirit's guiding me to make these corrections and to learn from this experience. You know, when our early church leaders were given instruction through revelation on the establishment, the reestablishment of Christ's church here on earth, there's a process, there's a whole purpose to all of the learning and the education for them and for the people of the time. But now I believe that there's a purpose for us as well uh, to see the mistakes they made and to still recognize through our faith and through the discernment of the gift of the Holy Ghost that it's okay. That God had a, has everything firmly in hand. He already knew their fallibility. And he already had a backup plan. And it's interesting because I will get comments that say, okay, so you don't have any agency then and everything is faded. 
No, we're talking about the character of God who is omnipotent. He is perfect. He already knows what you're going to do. And a loving Heavenly Father is going to be there and have a backup plan to support in the ways that you will allow him to. And I'm sure there's a whole lot more about that process that I don't even know or I'm probably not even mentioning, which is why we need to leave room for faith. We cannot know everything and be a part of this gospel and learn everything that the Lord has for us if we're trying to control all knowledge and not leave any space for God to be God. So this is what I'm doing. I'm leaving space for God to be God. Things are out of my hands and they're bigger than me. I feel like I am surrounded by mountains of issues that are bigger than me. And I just finally have sat back and said, you know what? I give it to you, Lord. Just tell me what to do without sacrificing myself so much that I don't even recognize myself at the end of this experience. Tell me what to do to be a good mom, to be a good mentor, to love my children, to be a good wife. You know, this isn't the only challenging relationship I have. I mean, I'm surrounded by mental illness. And uh, when you're the one person that doesn't have mental illness per se, this is not something I've grown up with necessarily. I've been well adjusted and haven't had to take medication. Um, but, you know, living with these circumstances, you know, we are mortal and we are going to have some negative consequences from it. And that's why it's so important that we look for the Lord in all of our life and every detail of our day, because there's going to be miracles and something awe-inspiring in there that will drown out the noise of the negative. So we must hold fast. It's like um, in the scriptures, uh, Luke 24, when they're walking on the road and Christ joins them. And I think the road is Emmaus. Don't quote me on that. Um, and Christ joins them and they don't even recognize that it's him. And yet they're having conversations with him and they're talking about everything that's going on in the city. And, you know, Christ has died and they can't find him. They don't know what happened to him. And yet he didn't free them from the bondage that they were in. So why did he come? I mean, and they were having these conversations with Jesus Christ himself. And they didn't recognize that it was him until they had gotten to uh, where they were going, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, about give or take. And they sat down to eat and Christ immediately picked it up to bless the, the bread and whatnot. And that's when their eyes were made to see that it was Christ that they had been walking with. So how important it is for us to see and be discerning for all that the Lord does for us to give us that hope, to encourage us on the path of holiness and righteousness. This isn't being self-righteous and holding ourselves up. This is holiness and righteousness unto the Lord. How would the Lord have us act and behave, do and say, 
to fix some of these relationships in our There's a couple of talks that I wanted to cover um, to tie this into this month's topic of just difficult and hard relationships that we face during this experience here on earth. What is the purpose? What is God looking to us to do? And, um, you know, through my studies, I've heard often that God is a fourth quarter God. So we do all that we can do. And after we do all that we can do, then God comes in and he works his perfect blessings and miracles. And that kind of brings me back to this talk by Elder Mark Bassett called After the Fourth Day. And just a side note, we're coming up to October. Um, We do have conference coming up again. And it's a great time of year, as we all know, to be able to hear from the Spirit, from God, from Jesus, and from voices beyond this life. Um, So please take the time to watch, record, or study those talks out uh, when you can. Uh, And if you can watch at the time of, it's definitely a blessing to you um, to be able to watch it in real time when everything's going on. So this is October 7th and 8th, and um, that is going to be starting, I believe, at, I want to say, you know what, let me get back to you on that, Um, because with the time change, it's different, and I don't have it right in front of me, and I don't want to give you false and inaccurate information, but it's the same time every six months, and that is Saturday and Sunday. I believe that is 9 and noon Pacific time and 10 and 1 Mountain time, Um, but if I am incorrect, I apologize, but I do believe those are the times. Um, Going back to this talk, you know, is when we talk about dealing with difficult relationships and having hope for those relationships, it's so hard to leave your heart open to a day where you can eventually maybe reconcile and and bridge that, that gap and that relationship with that person. Um, however, I believe with Christ and the Holy Ghost that this is something that we can do. And it's done through a submission of our will to the Lord's um, with great humility and meekness. And this is not something that I am good at at all. It's something that I struggle with. I am getting better at it, but I still have a long ways to go. And I'm grateful that this is a teaching that the Lord has helped me to identify so that it's something that I can work on. Now, this is something that I do pray for is um, being able to know what the Lord's will is for me so I can pursue it with all haste and do whatever needs to be done for that time. Uh, In my particular situation with my children, I tend to be the go-to person for everything. And there are reasons for that, but it can be um, a lot sometimes. And they just don't have the other parent to support and, and, you know, lean back on, whether that's through the other parent's fault, my kid's fault, or a combination thereof. Um, These other relationships I had mentioned earlier have been one of just utter sorrow for me. I have the hardest time with relationships that break down within the family. And um, it really, really, really hurts my heart. And I know that oftentimes I contribute to that breakdown as well. I am not saying that I'm innocent whatsoever. 
Um, so this talk, After the Fourth Day by Elder Bassett, he says, as we move forward with faith in Jesus Christ, the fourth day will always come and he will always come to our aid. So I like to take simple statements like this from our leaders who remind us to keep it as my one of my brothers likes to say is keep it simple, stupid. Um, keep it simple and keep it basic. Trust in the Lord. He knows everything and he loves to bless us and tend to us and help us. So I must trust in him when it comes to these relationships, especially the latest situation, which is the one that I'm probably mourning the most right now because it's so fresh. Um, so Elder Bassett goes on to say that um, when Christ had his triumphal entry into Jerusalem at the beginning of Holy Week, preceding his great atonement, uh, we are reminded of how he can overcome his suffering, his crucifixion, and then he was resurrected. And this is what Christ can do for us in our own suffering, in our own heart, is to help us overcome. He goes on to say that not not long before his prophesied entry into the city, Jesus Christ was fully engaged in his ministry when he received word from his dear friends, Mary and Martha, about his brother Lazarus, who was sick. So although Lazarus's illness was serious, the Lord abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. So, you know, he got news about Lazarus. He didn't leave immediately. And um, it's a spirit. It's that divine spirit that can help us prioritize the things that we need to do and where our ministering is placed. Uh, Before beginning the journey to his friend's home in Bethany, said Jesus unto his disciples plainly, Lazarus is dead. So when Jesus came into Bethany and met first Martha and then Mary, um, perhaps out of frustration for his late arrival, they each greeted him saying, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. So Martha further exclaimed, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. So they were getting help and they had trusted in the Savior. They knew of the miracles and what he was capable of, of his divinity. And yet the Savior didn't run to him to get this done. And so they were frustrated. And um, these four days were significant to Mary and Martha, according to some um rabbi schools of thought it was believed that the spirit of someone who died would remain with the body for three days offering hope that life was still possible however by the fourth day that hope was lost perhaps because the body would begin to decay and stinketh you know context is everything to understand how people lived at that time and their customs and traditions it truly is everything and that's why we should reserve judgment Just a little side note there. Um, Moving on, Mary and Martha were in a state of despair. When they saw Jesus, they said, When Jesus therefore saw Mary weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And it's at this moment that we see one of the great miracles during the Savior's ministry here on earth. First the Lord said, Take ye away the stone. And then after thanking his father, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. I mean, Christ is literally telling death, Take your bands off. Lazarus is mine. He is to be risen 
now at this time. Like Mary and Martha, we have the opportunity to experience all of mortality, even sorrow and weakness. And that is definitely something that I am doing and I'm sure that you're doing. Each of us will experience those type of heartaches that accompanies the loss of someone that we love. In this case, it's Lazarus and his life. And the example for my life today is a very important relationship um, that was near and dear to me and is still. Um, Our mortal journey might include personal illness, the debilitating illness of a loved one, depression, anxiety, other mental health challenges, even financial hardship, betrayal and sin. And part of what's going on with me most recently is a betrayal. And that's how I feel. And I'm wrestling with this. I'm trying so hard to look to the Lord to take away this feeling of betrayal. But then what do I do with that feeling afterwards? How does he want me to feel about this person? And so I realize it's so important that I submit myself to him to set aside my desires, my wants, my needs, and listen to the Spirit of God. And man, is that hard, is it not? Going back to this talk, so our mortal journey is going to include all of these things. And sometimes these are accompanied by feelings of hopelessness and despair. Um, That's why this account of Lazarus and what the Savior has done for him, for Mary and Martha, is so special. It teaches us about our relationship with the Lord. So during our greatest worries, we like Mary and Martha seek the Savior, ask the Father for his divine intervention. Lord knows that I've done this personally since Wednesday. Even with all of my anger and frustration and hurt and pain and sadness, still asking Father to help me to understand and what is Please help us. I don't know what to do. Uh, Going back to the talk, when the Savior arrived in Bethany, all had lost hope that Lazarus could be saved, and it had been four days after all. Sometimes during our own challenges, we might feel like Christ is too late, and our hope and faith might even feel challenged. I know I feel this way right now. And yet this elder's witness and testimony are that as each of us move forward with faith in Jesus Christ, the fourth day always comes. And I'll add my testimony to that. Christ truly is a fourth quarter God. He will always come to our aid or to raise our hopes back to life because he has promised, let not your heart be troubled. I will not leave you comfortless and I will come to you. Do you believe this? What do you do to remember this so that we can put our hearts at rest and put the anxieties and the fears to the side? Sometimes it may seem like he doesn't come to us until the figurative fourth day after all hope seems lost. But why so late? President Thomas S. Monson teaches, Our Heavenly Father, who gives us so much to delight in, also knows that we learn and grow and become stronger as we face and survive the trials through which we must pass. So the question is, are we willing to go through these trials and pass these trials to become like our Heavenly Father, like our Redeemer, Jesus Christ? 
Even the prophet Joseph Smith faced enormous fourth day experience. Remembering his pleading, he says, O God, where art thou, and where is the pavilion that covereth thy hiding place? As we trust in him, we can expect a like answer. My son or daughter, peace be unto thy soul, and thine adversity and thine afflictions shall be but a small moment. Do you believe? Do I believe? It's hard to hold that belief with utter conviction every second of the day. So when I go through my hard times and things I'm pressed and stretched, I have to remind myself and I have to do what I call an assessment, a triage of myself. Where's my belief? What do I know? Am I exercising that faith and belief at this time to give my heart rest from the anxiety and fear of the situation? There's um, an account that I follow on TikTok and I'm sorry, the username has escaped me right now, but she had said yesterday in a TikTok that she feels like when she is walking alone, that that's because the Savior is there holding her every step of the way. So he's not walking next to her. He's not walking behind her. He's walking literally with her as if they are one. And she says that gives her so much comfort. And that really struck my mind and my heart um, because I'm someone that needs to know that I can also lean on the Lord as if he's not even a centimeter away from me. He's just right there to catch me. And so this type of visionary faith, um, to be able to put it into a vision or however it works for you, can be very powerful in sustaining you through these times that are hard. The times where you've been so hurt and what you feel is such a betrayal, as is my experience. Can I take away the sting of the experience enough to give grace, loving kindness, forgiveness? Another message that we can learn from the story of Lazarus is what our own role might be in the divine intervention. This is something that I'm looking for. I'm seeking. You know, when Jesus approached the tomb of Lazarus, he first said to those who were there, take ye away the stone. And with the power that Savior had, could not he have miraculously moved the stone without effort? Why would he ask them to take away the stone? This would have been an impressive feat to see the Lord do and very unforgettable. Yet he said to the others, take ye away the stone. Why? What does he want us to learn from that? Second, the Lord cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Wouldn't it have been more impressive if the Lord had himself miraculously placed Lazarus at the opening so he would be immediately visible to the crowd when the stone was removed? And this just kind of makes me giggle on the inside because it's like a, um, a staged movie. What can we get for best effect, right? And that's not the way the Lord works. He doesn't stage things like that. He's not going to stage things to take away from the message and the power of whatever he knows is going to be perfectly taught. Uh, Third, when Lazarus, the third thing that we can learn from this particular situation is that when Lazarus did come forth, 
He was bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto him, Loose him and let him go. I mean, Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. I'm sure the Lord was capable of having Lazarus standing at the opening already clean and approachable with his grave clothes nicely folded. So uh, why would the Lord not do that? Why does he want us to see Lazarus coming with his hand and feet bound, with his grave clothes on, with the napkin over his face? What is the point of highlighting these aspects? So let's just discuss it. Each of these three things had something in common and none required the use of Christ's divine power. I love Elder Bassett. This talk is just absolutely amazing. When you get a chance, please go read this on your own. It's quite, he's quite remarkable. What they had in common is that none required the use of Christ's divine power and that which his disciples could do, he instructed them to do. So the disciples were certainly capable of moving the stones themselves. Lazarus, after being raised, had the capacity to stand and present himself at the opening of the cave. And those who loved Lazarus could absolutely help him remove the grave clothes. However, it was only the Christ who had the power and authority to raise him from the dead. So, Elder Bassett says, My impression is that the Savior expects us to do all we can do, and he will do what only he can do. It's a team effort. God knows, Christ knows that we cannot do these things on our own. He knows that we need his partnership and we need his yoke. We know that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is a principle of action. A miracles do not produce faith, but strong faith is developed by obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, faith comes by righteousness. So as we strive to act righteously by making and keeping sacred covenants and applying the doctrine of Christ in our lives, our faith will not only be sufficient to carry us to the fourth day, but with the Lord's help, we will also be capable of moving stones that are in our path arising from despair and loosening ourselves of all that binds us. This is how I feel this morning. And it was a process. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, it was a lot. Lord, take this cup from me. The pain, the sorrow, the sadness, the hurt. Please take this cup from me. And then I wake up this morning and he's heard my prayer. I am reconciled. I'm at peace and I don't know what all of that means. I don't know what this is, the answers are going to be or how this is going to roll out. But I'm grateful to an omniscient, perfectly loving, all wise Lord who can do this for me, who can help me to hear him and receive the blessings of his leadership and guidance in my life. While the Lord expects us to do all that we can, remember that he will provide needed help. Trust in him. So how can we move those stones and build upon his rock? This is one of the biggest challenges that I have is moving a stone that I've more often than not created and put there myself. And he says that we can do this by abiding the counsel 
of the prophets. I don't know about you, but with me, President Nelson has truly been and is truly a prophet for our day. Last October, he pleaded with us to take charge of our own testimonies of the Savior and his gospel, to work for them and nurture them, to feed them truth, and to avoid polluting them with false philosophies of unbelievers. He promised each of us, as you make the continual strengthening of your testimony of Jesus Christ your highest priority, watch for miracles to happen in your life. It's happening in mine. It's not a fast fix. It's not a quick solution. As that saying goes, it's a marathon. This is not a sprint. And we can do this. We can figuratively arise and come forth from these hardships. We can joyfully repent and choose to obey his commandments. Because the Lord says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. It is through obedience that we tap into that heavenly power that can provide the answers, the miracles that we need for our day and our time. We can strive to repent daily and joyfully move forward with a willing heart full of love for the Lord. I love that statement because that's what I've done. That's what I know to do. Repentance always brings peace. It would be foolish of me to sit here and say, oh, it was all this person's fault. I've done nothing to contribute to this way that the situation is. That is just not true. In any relationship, it takes two people. And I know that there's things that I've done that I've identified and things that I've done that I have not been able to identify as of yet. So how can we, with the Lord's help, loose ourselves of all that binds us? When we can intentionally bind ourselves first and foremost to our Heavenly Father and to His Son, Jesus Christ, through covenants, that's what's going to help us, is making and keeping the covenants. Um, baptism, taking the sacrament on Sundays, going to the temple. There's so many ways that we can keep our covenants in our personal life once they're made. And if you have not had a chance to partake of those ordinances yet in the temple, please do so. I am so excited to return. Elder Christofferson teaches us that what is the source of our moral and spiritual power and how do we obtain it? The source is God. Our access to that power is through our covenants with him. So in these divine agreements, God binds himself to sustain, sanctify, and exalt us in return for our commitment to serve him and keep his commandments. We can make and keep sacred covenants. We can do this. Take ye away the stone. Come forth. Loose him and let him go. Counsels, commandments, and covenants. We can do this. Counsels and commandments are for our protection and for our guidance. They are liahona unto us, which is a blessing. And please remember, our access to that power is through our covenants with him. So in these divine agreements, God binds himself to sustain, sanctify, and exalt. He can help purify us from the mistakes and the sins and the transgressions that we've made in these hard relationships. He can help us to 
request forgiveness, hence healing, and to give it. These are the miracles that Christ is capable of. And Elder Jeffrey R. Holland promises us that some blessings come soon, some come late, and some don't come until heaven. But for those who embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, they come. Wherefore, be of good cheer and do not fear, for I, the Lord, am with you and will stand by you. Hold fast, be patient, and have a willingness to endure. And remember to rely on the Lord. He can work miracles in your life, in my life, and in this world for each of us, for we're all children of God. That is this month's episode, and I appreciate you guys joining. Please, if you have any feedback, hardships you want to share, if you're looking for support and love, if you just need to get something off your chest, don't forget you can DM me on Instagram at LDSRPRL Podcast. You can also email me at LDS Real People Real Lives at gmail.com. That is plural, Real People Real Lives, LDS Real People Real Lives at gmail.com. Until next time, please stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay faithful. So important. And please remember to be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And don't forget General Conference in October. Much love. God bless. Aloha. I thought sooner or later the lights up above would come.